Welcome to a new conversation on the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Casey. This season, we're delving into the eight building blocks to create a great life in retirement. And one of those eight is work. Yes, work. That will mean different things to different people in retirement. It could mean creating an encore career or working on a part-time or consulting basis, volunteer work or other unpaid work, or taking on that big project you've always wanted to now that you'll have the time to do so. All of those things require navigating a transition successfully. And today we'll be talking with an expert in transitions. Our guest today is Herminia Ibarra. I first became aware of her work years ago with a classic groundbreaking book that she wrote, Working Identity. At the time I read it, it was the practice to have a career plan. Where do you want to go? What are the steps to get there? But she completely changed how I thought about careers by pointing out that careers really are not linear. They're a journey that includes many different twists and turns. And because of that, it's wise to explore different versions of future you and be open-minded to where things may go. You can't always predict each step along the way. Working Identity has recently been published as an updated new edition. And that gave me the chance to revisit those concepts. And I wondered, what does this thinking apply to retirement? And then, right around the same time, I was reading a book, The HBR Guide to Designing Your Retirement. And the introduction was written by her, titled, Retirement is a Transition, Not an Ending. Herminia Ibarra is the Charles Handy Professor of Organizational Behavior at London Business School. Prior to joining LBS, she served on the INSEAD and Harvard Business School faculties. An authority on leadership and career development, Thinkers 50 ranks her among the top management thinkers in the world. She's a member of the World Economic Forum's Expert Network, a judge for the Financial Times Business Book of the Year Award, a fellow of the British Academy, and the 2018 recipient of the Academy of Management's Scholar Practitioner Award for her research's contribution to management practices. A native of Cuba, she received her MA and PhD from Yale University, where she was a National Science Fellow. She joins us today from London. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. I'm really glad to be here. So what makes transitions so hard? (laughs) The question of the century. So already in that statement, there's an important piece of information, and that is they are hard. I can say that pretty universally. Most people find them hard. There's two, two bits that I think people find particularly hard. One is uh, transitions necessarily imply a loss of a sense of identity, a loss of something that has been meaningful and valuable. You're moving away from someone you've been, but the future you isn't clear yet, or the future destination or the next role isn't clear yet. So you're kind of hanging in limbo, and that's very uncomfortable. We live in a world in which certainty is valued, know who you are, and the nature of this process and part of what makes it productive is questioning who you are, but that's necessarily uncomfortable. So that's number one. Number two is, is more specific, particularly today and particularly at mid-career and beyond. These transitions tend to be what I call in my academic jargon, under-institutionalized. And what that means is they are not structured. It is not like an MBA job market. It is not like when you want to make partner in a law firm, you know what steps to take. The destination is often unclear. It does, you don't know how long it's going to take. 
Job search processes today are longer. Companies are taking longer to vet people. So it's kind of open-ended. How long is it going to be? Where am I going? You're not going through it necessarily with other people. So it's hard to benchmark. How am I doing? There's lots of different steps you could take. So say you are an insurance executive and you want to be an entrepreneur to create a wine business. What are the steps? Well, it's not fixed. It's not like go to law school, join a firm. There's lots of different pathways to that. So there's a lot of uncertainty and ambiguity and open-endedness in the process. And we as human beings struggle with that. So a lot is changing about retirement. What are some of the opportunities and the unique challenges that you see in that type of transition today? So the opportunity, it kind of relates to what I've just said. The opportunity is that lots of paths open, right? Nobody is uh, asking people to, you know, simply hang up the boots at age 65 and kind of go play golf. Fewer people are doing a conventional environment at retirement. That creates the challenge, choosing, crafting, create, because you're going to have to create your own. You know, so often in our careers, we get moved along by our occupation, our profession, our company. You get promoted. This is the past. Now you have to invent your own. There's lots of options open. Do you take on another role? Do you create a portfolio of roles? Do you work part of the time and save part of the time for leisure? Or do you stay, remain? in working, but more under your own control. There's lots and lots of options open. So you recently updated your classic book, Working Identity, and you note in there that people often take a methodical analytical approach to figuring out what's next. But thinking and insight only gets you so far. Tell us about your idea of outsight and what advantages that offers. So there's two approaches to getting to a destination. One is you know the destination. And so you plan what are the right steps to get there. And we have grown up with that model, the plan and implement model. It's answer driven. Who do you want to be when you grow up? So what's your picture of the perfect retirement? Okay, let's try to figure out. Let's try to put those pieces in place. Now, some people can do that. And some people do do that. The other model is what I call experiment and learn. Well, gee, I have some parameters but they're not specific roles or options. And by the way, I might discover with a little distance from my full-time job that actually what I want is a little bit different, which is actually what happens. With a little distance from the way things used to go, people start to get in touch with different parts of themselves, maybe become a little bit more expansive or creative about what it is that they want. They find out that some of the things they were interested in are not as attractive as they thought. They find out that some of the things that they were interested in are actually not available to them. So for example, the non-executive roles on boards have proved to be very elusive for lots of people who have wanted to pursue that path. And so what do you do when some of the things that you wanted are not available? And how do you allow yourself to explore and experiment with and investigate a range of different options. That's the second. So what I have seen is that that approach is hard because we want to deduce our way into it, but can be infinitely more generative and more fulfilling because you don't know what you don't know. (laughs) Absolutely. And as a coach, I gravitate toward 
assessments and exercises, and there are a lot of very valuable ones in the new version of Working Identity. Could you tell us about the Possible Selves exercise? It's called the Possible Selves exercise. And I think it is by far the most successful exercise I ever do with my students and participants. And it's a very simple exercise. Anybody can try it at home. You take out a piece of paper or your iPad and you list as many ideas as you possibly can for who you might become in the future, including things you want, including things you know a lot about, including things that you maybe have a bit of curiosity about, including things you don't want but are being thrown at you, including what other people want at you. But it really generates a portfolio. And there's two ways in which that is helpful and interesting. The one is it's, it's freeing. It allows you to be what we are as humans, divergent, not necessarily consistent. And it allows you to make the most out of the, the questions, the big questions that come with these transition periods. It allows you to embrace them rather than brush them away. The second, second thing that's really useful is This works when you exchange those lists or at least parts of them with other people. And when you exchange those lists in a small group in which there is a sense of safety and we can speak out, and that means more than one person. So not just with a coach, although that can be valuable too, you learn a lot of things. You learn that most people are also divergent and inconsistent, and that's okay. We have a lot of different facets. Other people can read you well and can feed back to you or mirror back to you. You seem excited about this and not so excited about that. And that's also data and information. They'll have ideas about those things and or experience with it that you can learn from and so on. So it's a very, very, very generative exercise. And we're used to moving fast in the business world. And sometimes people expect that figuring out what's next in retirement will be very straightforward and, and pretty expedient. But transitions take time and there's a sequencing. There's, there's phases that unfold. What are the three phases that you see of making a major life change that people should anticipate? It's a pretty classic you know, sense of sequence. There's an ending and there's a kind of a limbo-like messy middle part. And then there's new beginnings. Now they can come in different sequences. Sometimes the new beginnings start first. Preparing for retirement, people start to say, take a coaching course or enlist in a non executive director program or start building something that they want to work on. So sometimes the new beginning comes first. But the key thing is in the middle, there's that messy middle, which is as even as organized as you might be, there's the loss, loss of structure, loss of meaning, loss of relationships, loss of status. And the confusion that comes with it, which is a productive confusion because you're not foreclosing on options. You're saying, all right, now that all bets are off with the old thing, what are the different options here? What are different possibilities? Who might I become? And so endings or beginnings, messy middle, and then endings or beginnings, those are the phases. And people who are thinking about a new life in retirement have no shortage of advice. They get a lot of advice from well-meaning friends, colleagues, family. But despite those good intentions, how can that potentially get in the way of them figuring out what's next? Right. So yeah, so that that can always be a tricky one. So here's the thing. The people that know and love you best 
have known you for quite some time. And so they can be a bit blinded by who you've been. Whereas in your head, you're thinking more future forward and they can, they can pigeonhole you. They might not see you in this new and different thing that you're wanting to do, or it may not jive with what they're thinking about for their future. It can get very tricky in couples, for example, getting your visions of the future in sync. And if they're not, it, it's kind of difficult. Sometimes you have a partner who is the voice for a conservative kind of approach. So all of those things kind of come into play. And that's why talking to people who you're not as close to, or at least are are not invested in the status quo or are not as biased by the past can be very freeing because some of the things that you're toying with that might seem a bit outrageous (laughs) or a bit risky to friends and family will seem very natural, very normal, and very productive avenues to explore. And there's theory and practice in your line of work, and, and one informs the other in either direction. And I'm, you've been a very accomplished academic, and you've worked at different universities. I'm curious what you've learned, one thing you've learned from the most recent transition you made personally that's informed how you're thinking about these things. That's a very good question. I think probably what I have learned is that just how difficult they are and how in that messy middle period, if you allow yourself to try a bunch of different things, it is uncomfortable. It's not always clear in the immediate how the dots connect. It's not always clear what they're going to lead to. And what you think they might lead to is not necessarily it. But you learn, you know, if you reflect on them, you do learn some things that help you make kind of choices as you move along. I, so, so I guess I've learned it's hard. My transitions have always been within academia, so I've never had a radical change of career myself. But even a, a big change of location can be incredibly difficult to navigate. And the value of doing different things, but not taking them too literally. Just, you know, for example, I took a coaching course during uh, my first year in London as part of my sabbatical. And I had wondered whether I wanted to make that part of my portfolio of activities. I've not done that. I've not done that. However, it has been very influential in lots of the different things that I do, kind of in unexpected ways. And so so these things are interesting. Thank you for sharing that. It's important to be open because they don't really, the dots don't always appear to connect, but the dots don't always connect and they won't always connect, but sometimes they connect in ways that are not the way you'd expect. And could you tell us about the new book that you're working on? Okay. The new book is also about career transitions. Working Identity, it was really written to be applicable very broadly to anybody kind of in a, in a career transition. But the people I studied were very much at mid-career, around 840-ish some a bit younger, some a bit older. I've become very interested in in the later career stage. And this, we don't have a good word for it. And we often use mid-career to mean anything and everything, you know, from age 30 to age 60. So I'm interested a little bit later, not, not necessarily retirement, although people retire at all ages, but later stages after age 50, how are people thinking about it? And particularly today when we're more conscious about longevity, than we were at the time of working identity. And we're also more conscious about how technology is changing, how we work, where we work, 
and all of the different kinds of possibilities and threats that come with it. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's going to be of interest to a lot of people. I hope so. I hope so. We can talk again then. <laughs> yes, we we'll look forward to it. And thank you so much for joining us, joining us today. Me too. Thanks so much, Joe. So what are you taking away from this conversation today? There are a lot of very important, interesting, practical ideas that you put on the table. Here are my three to think about. Number one, prepare for the transition. This sounds obvious, and perhaps it is, but I think many people underestimate how challenging a transition going from one world, full-time work, to the other of retirement can be. There's a lot of uncertainty, as she noted, and there's a lot of change to deal with at different levels. Some are practical, like structuring your day. Others are deeper challenges, like who am I now and who will I be going forward? And as Herminia pointed out, there's a sequence of phases that come into play. There's a lot of uncertainty, but there are phases, and the most challenging one is that messy middle. So be prepared for the fact that it's going to be challenging. There'll be a lot of uncertainty, but you can navigate it by sticking to the phases, being aware of where you are in the process. Number two, so who will you be going forward? I see many people getting stuck on this identity transition. Some get stuck in the trap of looking back to who they quote unquote used to be. Others get lost in the uncertainty of not knowing. And I think it's something to just prepare yourself for and get comfortable with. You won't know for a while, but you can begin to take steps to explore it and create it. You can't buy a new identity on Amazon. Maybe you can, but the odds are much better that you're going to build something, build a new life. And that starts with looking at what are your options. I highly recommend her exercise of possible selves. So who could you become? What are the different possibilities? What excites you? And does that start to create a portfolio of activities you can begin to experiment with? Go into this with an open mind. Don't overthink it. But see what you want to move forward and learn more about. Number three, you don't have to go it alone. I want to underscore her idea of talking to others, taking that list of possible selves and getting input from others, having conversations with people you trust, who know you very well, and may see different aspects of you than you might be blinded. So you don't have to go it alone. Who could you talk with? Who could you kick this around with that may illuminate a path forward that you might not be thinking about today? Thanks for listening to the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. I do this podcast because I want to expose people to different ways of thinking about crafting their next chapter and bringing resources to you that can help you explore a broader range of possibilities than perhaps what your neighbor did, your brother-in-law, your sister-in-law, etc. You'll find all of our podcast episodes at our website, retirementwisdom.com, along with a series of book summaries best books on retirement. Many of them are not specifically about retirement, but they have great concepts, tools, and ideas that you can use to build the retirement you want. Thanks for listening.